Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. Um, turn me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And um, that should be pretty easy. That's in the beginning, all the way to the left. If you're looking at your iPad or your iPhone, that's all the way at the top. It's the first book, Genesis, the book of Genesis. As you get there, I, wanna, I want you to do something for me before we read these verses this morning. I, I want everybody to look up. I want everybody to look up. Look up. What do you see? You see a beautiful, well-painted gray ceiling or white ceiling. If you're like me, you're looking up into lights, but, but you're looking up at a ceiling. You're looking up and you see something that is man-made. Um, and I don't, I, as I was thinking about this and even writing this, I just felt weird even saying man-made. It's people-made because there might have been man, men and women that made this. Um, I know that there were men and women who painted this. So, so you're seeing lights, you're seeing uh, the wood, you're, you might see this projector, you're seeing different things, but all these things that you're looking at are, are man-made, if you will. They are, they are co- this is a covering that we have. When you look up in this place, in this location, you don't see the clouds that are outside. <laughs> you're not looking up into rain splashing in your face. You're, you're not looking up into the sky. You're looking up, and because of where you are, you're seeing something man-made. You're seeing a ceiling. And as beautiful as it is, it's different if we were to be looking up and we were outside. If we were to go outside of this place and look up, we would see something very different. I think you guys follow that. In Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, it says, After these things, and, and I would encourage you, we don't have time, especially in this service, to go back and talk about all the things that happened prior to this. So I'd encourage you to go back and, and read what God was doing in this time, what he was doing in Abram's life. But he says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now, this is, this is a promise that God is giving to Abram. This is powerful because Abram is clearly known as somebody who has great faith, but great faith does not exempt you from great fear. <laughs> Just because you have great faith doesn't mean that great fear doesn't try to come on you, doesn't mean that your mind doesn't wander to the worst that could happen, doesn't mean that there is some fear that you have to deal with in your mind and in your heart. And this reward that God is promising, Abram, many of you all know what this is, but the, the chapter right before this, uh, Abram actually refused to take the king's reward. And again, I'd encourage you to go back and read that. And God here is promising that his reward will be very great. It'll be greater than anything that any man could have given him, anything that the king would have given him. And in verse two it says, but Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. 
Now, what's Abram saying here? He's saying, I don't have a, a son. I don't have an offspring. I don't have an heir to all that I have accumulated, all that you've given me, all that I've accomplished. And so because of that, um, a, a servant in my household, someone who's not directly related to me, will be my heir. It, now, now, if you have an heir, then you know God has already blessed Abram in many ways. Abram, Abram's already done some things. He's already accumulated some things, if you will. But his thinking was not on the positive. His thinking is not on what God has already done. His thinking is not on what God has promised him that he will do. His thinking is on what he doesn't have, what hasn't yet happened, the disappointment that he's feeling. He's thinking about what he can see and what he can feel and what he can touch. And Let's be honest, this is so very easy for us to do today. If you're not intentional, if, if you're not passionate, if, if you're not fighting even to think the right things, then we all have a tendency to slip into thinking about what we don't have, what hasn't yet happened yet, what we can see and feel and touch. Those are the things that we think about. We, we think about how we don't have enough money. If we just had a little more money, we, now we've had enough and God's provided for us day after day, year after year, but, but we have this mindset that if, that if we could just make a little more money, come into a little more money, have this great idea and, and be rich, everything would be all right. Or this hasn't happened yet. I, I desire to get married. I desire to have kids. I desire to, to step out and do what God's called me to do and whatever that looks like. I desire uh, to, to go to that next level and whatever that looks like in your life, but it hasn't happened yet. And we have a tendency to focus on that and think about that. And sometimes if we don't watch it, our thinking will be so bent that way that we will not just focus on it, but it will consume us. This is how you see people who, who get into a place of, of even depression, of anxiety, um, people who can't rest because their mind is always thinking about what they don't have, what hasn't happened yet, what they can see, what they can feel, what they can touch, what is happening right here and now in their life, what they can figure out in their mind is what they're thinking about. I heard, um, I heard this quote that, that this is part of the reason why people can, they can go to sleep and they can sleep eight hours and they can wake up and be tired. Have y'all ever done that? Have you ever went to sleep and slept, slept for a good amount of time but you woke up tired? It was because you slept but you didn't rest. Why didn't you rest? Because your mind keeps going and going and going and you're thinking about what you don't yet have, what hasn't yet happened, what you can see and feel and touch. That's what Abram's doing here. I, I know um, many times, just stereotypically speaking, men can kind of do a better job of this. Not all the times, but sometimes more, more than women. And, and sometimes what'll happen is, you know, men, we can just turn stuff off. We can compartmentalize, like we can be thinking about this and thinking about this, and then all of a sudden the game comes on and we're not thinking about that at all, or we get to go fishing or, or whatever, the case, whatever it is that gets you to that place of rest, and, and we can just leave that compartment right over here, and we're no longer even thinking about it, and we're only thinking about this thing. 
But a lot of times, and just stereotypically speaking, women, y'all have a more difficult time doing that. That, that's why, you know, when we separate and we go to this other compartment of thinking and you guys are still, you know, you're over here, you're with us, you're thinking about this, but you're also thinking about that. One of the greatest pictures I've ever seen about this was, um, this was forever ago, and this guy was talking about the way men's brains works, and he had this, these containers, and like the thoughts all went into these different containers, and you can pull out of a container, you can go into a container, but a, women, a woman's mind, stereotypically, is more like, like a pot of spaghetti, <laughs> right, like it's all intertwined and the noodles are in the sauce and the sauce is in the noodles and, and they can't really go from over there to over here, not very easily anyway, and that's why we say things like, man, honey, you know, just calm down, go to sleep, rest, give it to God. I'm not saying men don't struggle with this, I'm just saying stereotypically this is kind of the way that it often works. But no matter which way your brain works, it's easy for us to get into that place of thinking just like Abram was thinking in this moment. And let me tell you this, if you don't already know, every thought is not worthy of space in your mind. Every thought is not true, and definitely every thought is not from God. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean that you have to accept that thought and believe that thought and think on that thought and focus on that thought. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean that it's true. Doesn't mean that it's from God. Doesn't mean that that is God speaking to you. Every thought is not from God. And I think all of us, if we're completely honest, we recognize that point. We understand that point because we know that we have some thoughts that clearly are not from God. Now, the, the, the scripture gives us specific instructions. Let me, let me just take you through um, um, several scriptures really quickly and just outline what the Bible tells us uh, about instructions for our thoughts, about the ways that we should think. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And listen to this. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. So every time that you get a thought... We are to take that thought captive, captivate that thought, capture that thought, imprison that thought, and evaluate it. Is this thought in line with my obedience to Christ? Is this thought leading me to a greater level of connection and relationship with Jesus? Or is this thought true? Is this thought a lie? Is this thought pulling me apart from God? Listen, this is very important. I know it's simple, but it is very, very important because what happens is, especially in the body of Christ, we allow these thoughts to come into our mind and we, we don't take them into captivity to obedience to Christ. And what happens is we begin to create these really, really weird theologies and what we believe about God is not really based on the Bible. I mean, yeah, the Bible has a little bit to do with it, but it's a little bit based on the Bible. It's a little bit based on what we think is best. It's a little bit based on our experiences, and it's a little bit based on our personality. Because we're not taking every thought captive. 
Because this thought seems good, it seems right. I'm not, I'm not putting it in, in line with the scripture. I'm just saying that, that seems right. But that's what's happened to me in the past, so that has to be right. This is how there can be so much disunity and so many fractions in the body of Christ where some people believe that God no longer speaks to us and some people believe that God no longer heals us and that some people believe that, that, that you know, God does speak to us still and that he does still. How do these things happen? This hasn't changed It's our thinking about this, our understanding of this, our willingness and ability to take every thought that we have and put it into obedience to Christ, and Christ is the word. So if you've never experienced healing, does that shape your theology? Does that shape what you believe God can do or will do? Or does this Bible shape it? Because if the Bible says something is true, even though you've never experienced it, even though it doesn't make any sense to you, even though your mind would say there's a better way to do that, you have to make a decision. Are you going to put every thought into obedience to Christ? Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse six through eight, that we should refuse to be anxious. We should pray and think about the things that are true, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. So it's not just that we should take these thoughts into obedience to Christ, but we should specifically, intentionally think about the things that the Bible tells us to think about. We should think about those things that that are true, that are commendable, that are excellent and worthy of praise. We should intentionally focus our thinking in that direction. And with that instructions not to be anxious, and to pray about all of those things. Because you know, when we get anxious, it's really just a result of wrong thinking. Anxiousness, anxiety, fear is a result of of a lack of faith in our thinking. It's a lack of taking every thought into the obedience of Christ. Because if we take every thought into obedience to Christ and we have faith that God's word is true, then we have nothing to fear because he works all things together for our good. He knows the end from the beginning and he has plans for you before you were even formed. And they're good plans, plans to prosper, plans to keep, plans plans to use you to make an impact So whenever we get to a place where we're fearful, where we're anxious, it's because our thinking is messed up. Our thinking lacks some faith. It lacks some obedience to Christ. In James chapter one, verse 21, it tells us to put away all filthiness and wickedness and receive the engrafted word that is able to save our souls. So not just think about the good things, the true things, the commendable things, the things worthy of praise, but specifically the word of God is able to save our souls. What we need to be focusing our mind on is the word of God. Not just taking every thought into captivity, into obedience to Christ, but our focus, our mind, our thinking should intentionally go to the word of God. Now that doesn't mean that you need to be 24 hours, seven days a week in Bible study. That's not what that means. But what it does mean is when situations occur, when thoughts come in, when opportunities arise, you are going to this word and you are going to the God of this word in prayer. And he is determining your response. He is determining your actions. And those things that you used to do, 
you, you no longer do. You put those things away. And finally, in James chapter one, several verses before, verses five through eight, we're told to have faith, to believe. Don't go back and forth because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. So in our thinking, whenever you start to say, okay, I believe this, I'm going to act on this. I, I know God wants this. And then oh, no, 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 I'm not really sure because it's not really working out or I haven't seen it yet or I haven't felt it yet or I haven't touched it yet. It hasn't happened yet. And you go back and forth and you, you stagger back and forth between the two. Listen, the Bible makes it very clear. If that's where you're at, pick a side. Choose you this day who you will serve. Because if you keep going back and forth, you're unstable, not just in this area, but you're unstable in all your ways. And you shouldn't even expect God to bless that. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if that's you, Make a decision. And sometimes, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but sometimes that means getting your mind out of the way. Getting your thinking out of the way. I am going to choose. I, I love this. Y'all probably heard me say this. But Paul said something. Um, at, there was this time and this, this stuff, stuff was going on with Paul, the Apostle Paul, and, and he wasn't really exactly sure what God was doing or how to explain all of it or how to articulate it. And, and he said, I know in whom I believe. And, and there's, there's times where you just have to make a decision in whom you believe more so than in even what you believe. So you don't know why. You don't understand why this hasn't happened yet. You don't understand why you're in this wilderness, why this hasn't come true yet, why, why you're still feeling this, why you're still good. You don't know why. And your mind says it makes no sense to keep doing this. But God clearly told you to do this and he clearly promised you this. And you have to make a decision. Are you going to trust your thinking, which is flawed? Or are you going to choose in whom you believe, even when you're not exactly sure what the outcome will be? It's where Abram is here. and We're, we're told these things about our thoughts. And, and, and I think we understand this and, and, and we get this. Like we have to guard our hearts and our minds. We have to guard our thoughts. We have to take these thoughts into obedience to Christ. But I want to keep going here in this story. In verse 4 it says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven. And number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, what happens here in verse four, this is the key. God clarifies the promise that he's given to Abram. He says, Abram, listen, this, this servant is not going to be your heir. Your son is going to be your heir. Abram didn't have a son. He couldn't have a son. The very thing that he was thinking about that hasn't happened yet, that he didn't have, that he could touch, see, and feel, God is addressing it and giving him a promise that, that, that is contrary to all of that. This is the key. Abram gets a word from God. He gets a promise from God. And this promise is not just to be heard. This promise is to be done. It's to be acted upon. And here's the good news about this. This isn't just a promise to Abram. The Bible is filled with promises to you and promises to me. 
And we need to go through and we need to know what God says about us, what he says about himself, what he says about our purposes, about our future, about our life. And we need to grab a hold of those promises. Just like Abram grabs a hold of this promise that God gives him. This is the key. This is the foundation. If you don't know what God has said and you don't know what God is saying, then the rest of this is not yet time for. You first need to know who God is, who he says you are, and how does he want you to live and to operate. And it's not just something you need to know, but it's something that you need to do. Now, here's, here's really where I wanted to get to. Abram is, is clearly inside. A lot of translations talk about a tent that Abram was in. And the first thing that God tells him to do is to go outside. Now, what happens if Abram doesn't take that first step and go outside? If Abram just looks up, if he looks up, he sees a gray ceiling. He sees a man-made structure. He sees something uh, 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 limiting. He sees something that, that, that actually is less than what God wants him to see. His location matters. This doesn't work inside. What God is doing in Abram, what he's telling Abram, it doesn't work if Abram stays inside, if Abram stays in the tent, if he stays under that ceiling. Location, location, location. And, and, and let me say this. More believers need to be in the right location. More of us need to be working in the fields that God has asked us to work in not just fields that we chose or we think we're good at. More of us need to be going where God has instructed us to go, not just being where we've been. More of us need to be active in the churches that God has called us to be active in, not just the churches that sing this kind of music that we like to hear and preach in the styles we like to listen to. Or not just come and consume what God is giving out in these services. I know that doesn't hit home with you guys. Y'all are amazing, but for so many, I knew that's where they would get quiet. When Abram steps outside, he leaves the, conf the confines of the ceiling of this man-made structure. And the reason that this is important is because this man-made structure, this tent, this ceiling, whatever it was, it, it, it hinders and it limits what God wanted to show him. Just like right now, we can't see the clouds. We can't see the rain. We can't see the sky because this structure has, is hindering that. This structure is limiting that. The highest we can see is the highest part of this ceiling. But if we were to change location, all of that would change. So when Abram changes location, when he goes outside, he leaves the confines of that and he sees what God wants us to see or wants him to see. God is asking us to step outside. He's stepping us, asking us to step outside of the man-made ceilings of education, of money, 
of natural ability. He's asking us to step outside and look up and see something different than the limitations that we've allowed this world and our thinking and our circumstances to put on us. He's asking us to stop looking at a 25 foot ceiling and get outside and look at the skies and the great expanse of the heavens and the earth and all that he's created and recognize that he is a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. But as long as we stay under these man-made limitations, we won't be able to see what God wants us to see. Once Abram is outside, he's told to look up towards heaven. We're told the same thing. We're told to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're told to live by faith and not by sight. This morning, I wanna ask you, can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see God's blessing that he's promised for your future? Can you see it? Can you see the breakthrough that God is bringing into your life? Can, can you see the impact that God wants to make through you? Can you see it? Because if you can't see it, it means you're still inside. If you can't see it, it means you're looking up and you're limited by man-made structure, you're limited by education, you're limited by finances, you're limited by natural ability, you're limited by um, somebody giving you an opportunity, you're, you're limited by uh, um, coming across the right people at the right, you're limited. If you can't see the sky and the greatness and the blessing and the promise and the breakthrough and the impact, it's because you're still inside and as long as you're inside, you're not gonna be able to see it. You're not gonna be able to understand how you could ever own a home, how you could ever be debt free, how you could ever be whole. You're not gonna be able to see it because no matter how hard we look up at this ceiling, we will not be able to see the sky. We have to get outside of these things, outside of the man-made limitations to be able to see what God has created. Right now, we're just looking at what man has created. And I believe in our lives, we're looking at our lives and we're looking up, we're trying to find Jesus, we're trying to find what God wants, but we're looking up and we're seeing what man has created, the limitations that man has put on us. And honestly, if I'm blunt and I'm truthful, I think we're in some ways disappointing God. Not that he would love you any less or anything like that, but God has so much more for you. He has so much more outside of your comfort zone, outside of your fear, outside of your mind. See, the reason that you can't see it, the reason that you're still inside is because you think something or you believe something that's keeping you inside. And for many of us, that's comfort. You're comfortable inside. This morning is perfect. It is way more comfortable to be in here than to be out there this morning. When it's raining and it's gloomy, it's better to be in here where we're covered and the lights are on. But it's a picture of our lives. We get comfortable with the man-made limitations. We understand how to play that game and we just play that game and, 
And listen, listen, listen. You can play that game. You can live inside the rest of your life and you can go to heaven. But if you ever get the courage to change your thinking and go outside and look up, look up to the God who is an extravagant God and have the faith to believe that he wants to bless you and he wants to use you, then this comfort that you see inside under these limitations, man, it gets harder and harder to remain comfortable in that setting. We say it in different ways like, but listen, there's greatness in you because God is in you. He has plans that are far greater than anything that you've ever thought of in your life. But they can't be accomplished staying inside of man's natural limitations. Maybe it's not comfort, maybe it's fear. You're afraid to go outside. You're afraid to leave the comforts that, a, that, that this covering brings you. You're afraid to step out on faith. Listen, Isaiah chapter 26, verse three says this, you keep him in perfect peace. God promises perfect peace, not to those who stay inside, not to those who live, it, live their lives comfortable, live their lives safe, just, just, just do you know, the American way and the American dream, but you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God promises to give you that perfect peace. Some of you, you don't wanna go outside because it just makes more sense to stay inside. To leave that, to start that, to begin that, to stay in that, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to go out there and get wet. I'm dry in here. So my mind tells me it's better in here. But there are moments where God calls you to go out and, and everything in your mind says otherwise. And you're gonna have to make that decision. Are you gonna go with the one in whom you believe or are you gonna go with what you can figure out? And those are decisions that you're gonna have to make. Finally, Abram is challenged to number the stars. He'll step outside, he'll look up and see what God is gonna do and then it's requiring him to then count these stars which is to change his thinking, to no longer think about what he doesn't have, what hasn't yet happened, what he can see, feel and touch. It requires him to think and consider and believe that something that is opposite of what he currently believes. It requires him to think and consider and believe something that has not yet happened yet. It requires him to think and consider and believe something that is unlikely and let's be honest, even impossible. Are we willing to believe God so much that we're willing to step out and look up and believe the impossible? Believe what we haven't yet seen yet, what hasn't yet happened yet. Is God the God of 
of today or is he only the God of yesterday? Is he not the same yesterday, today, and forever? So if it hasn't happened yet, that means it's happening today. That means it's happening tomorrow. If God said it, he cannot lie. He will not lie. It is not possible for him to lie. So if he said he would do it, he will do it. What we need to do is we need to step outside of our comfort, outside of our fear, outside of our thinking, and change that thinking to line up with his word. And not just to keep us pure and holy, but to dream, to have faith, to allow God to do more in us than we ever thought that he could. And if you're a believer in here, this story is a story of your family, of your genealogy. You are the sons and daughters of Abraham. You are as many as the stars. God was talking about you and me and us. You come from dreamers and believers and miracle vessels. It is in you, it is in you to do more and be more. So you gotta get out from under that ceiling. You gotta look up and count the blessings not only that God has given you, but that he wants to give you. Get the instructions from God. Believe in the God of the instructions and believe that God can and will make it happen. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.